This week on Rotten or Righteous, we ask the question. Needed a hug? I needed a hug. I need a hug, prayers, a shower, and public repentance after doing this show every week. This week on the Rotten or Righteous podcast, we review the 2014 apocalyptic thriller and film adaption of the popular novel series. It's the Nicolas Cage helmed Left Behind, a movie about which Lindsay Barr of Entertainment Weekly said, at best, Left Behind is shoddily made sensationalist propaganda with atrocious acting that barely registers as entertainment. At worst, it's profoundly moronic. Audiences, Christians or not, deserve better, and it's hard to imagine that the ham-fisted revelations in this schlock could serve any higher purpose. But before we get into the review, allow me to introduce the other hosts of the podcast. He has no spoilers, no flaps, no elevators, and if he runs this thing dry, no reverse thrust, he needs some room. Luke Taylor. You don't have reverse thrust, Luke? I'm not aware of it. Huh. I didn't know that about you. Along with Luke, we have... What are you looking at? You want to ask him a question? Want to know how he drives? Maybe where he buys his clothes? How does he reach the urinal? Well, just ask him. He's Scott Judge. Hey, I will let you know at the congregation I preach at, we've got a step stool with a urinal. True story. Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> well, what do you do with that kind of information right there? You cut it out. And me, well, I got you the brand new baseball glove that you've been asking for when I was at the airport. I'm Zach Geiler. Right. Hey, I got a game for us to play, actually. Let's do it now before we get real, real serious into the movie. Okay, <laughs> because we're gonna get real, real serious into this. <laughs> Listen, this is a this is a great game. It's called Which Wise Man Said It. Okay, are you ready? Which Wise Man Said It. All right, I'll ask the first question. Who was the wisest man of all, Zach? Are you gonna ask the second question too? Because I don't know these questions. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'll go ahead and ask the second one and the following. <laughs> I was just making sure. That's a good idea. Because <laughs> I always host a game and I start listening. I'll ask the first one, then it's up to you oh, too. It's, the first one. <laughs> it's like it's like the world's best knock knock joke. Have you heard it, Luke? Uh, no. You start it. Knock knock. Who's there? I don't know. I don't know who. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. The wise. Who was the wisest? <laughs> wisest man of the world ever was Solomon. Was Solomon? Yes. That's one for Zach. Luke. <laughs> what wise man said, "You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good." Uh, the three wise men that came to Jesus's birth at the manger. That would be incorrect. 
We were looking for Joseph at the end of Genesis, oh. Genesis chapter 50. Mm. Mm. All right. Zach, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? And that would have been uh, Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra, which is also incorrect. You guys aren't taking this I'll go with. Seriously. I'll go with Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Got a boy. Jesus Christ. All right, Luke, which wise man said vanity of vanities, all is vanity? Uh, Zach Geiler. That's, you know what? I've actually heard Zach Geiler say that. I say that. So we'll have to give you I credit for that. I say that every that. morning. I open up the door. I look at the beautiful sunrise over Kentucky Hills, and I just go, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. So, <laughs> yes, you could have said Zach Geiler or Solomon. You realize you just called Zach Geiler a wise man, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's Listen, true. I may be a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach. Which wise man said, where did you come from? Where did you go? The singer of Cotton Eye Joe. The Cotton Eye Joe, baby. <laughs> Is that from Is that from Oh Brother Where Art Thou? No. You, <laughs> listen, if you were if you never heard Cotton Eye Joe, I mean, was I've heard it school, It was at every single dance in the history <laughs> of public school throughout the aughts. So, no wonder I don't know. Oh. We didn't go to those sinful dancing parlors. I always left room for Jesus. <laughs> Good game. Who won? <laughs> Oh, so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to get the Cotton Eye Joe in, so I had to come up with something. <laughs> that whole game was formed around that one that desire. That whole game was formed to squeeze a Cotton Eye Joe reference in. <laughs> and what did we find out? We found out that Luke, you thought in Matthew's account of the gospel, the wise men thought you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. <laughs> So without further ado, gentlemen, let's go ahead and dive in to today's review. The movie opens up with Karen in an airport bookstore. Really, she's an unnamed lunatic buying a book called Acts of God, which is exactly what I want to read on, on read about on my flight. Acts of God and disasters really put my mind at ease while I'm in a steel tube hurtling at the speed of sound. Next, we are introduced to the perpetually inconsiderate and rude atheist, also the main character of this movie, Chloe Steele. She has just arrived at JFK International Airport. She decided to surprise her dad on his birthday by flying home from school. Then she's upset that her dad has to work and won't get to see her, even though she never made plans with him or told him he was coming at all. Inconsiderate, isn't she? Well, the mom does say that he knew she was coming. Yeah, but after he had to work. I think it was before. No. No. Don't try to stand up for this movie because, no, it wasn't <laughs> well, That's just the fact. She's like, the facts. They were like, they were she like said hey. It. No, because she, she asked her mom. With- she asked her mom. She's like, Does da- did dad know that I was coming home? And she said yes. And he left for work anyway. Yes. No, he agreed to this flight. Then after the mom found out he agreed to this flight. Then she goes, hey, your daughter's coming home. And he's like, well, I can't do anything else right now because I have to fly this plane. Mm, we no. may have to go watch the movie again and yeah. do the episode next no, week. No, shut up. <laughs> Ain't happening. 
Karen from the bookstore then approaches the world's most famous news journalist that has ever lived or ever will live. His dumb name is Buck. <laughs> Buck. Seriously, uh. the, the flame or, or the flame, the fame of this investigative journalist is ridiculous. He's being surrounded by groupies who want his autograph. I might, and I say might, be able to pick out, like, Dan Rather, Katie Couric, or Al Roker out of a lineup. But to say that a field journalist is this famous is absolutely silly. So, on to the more important question. Is Buck a cool name or not? I really go back and forth with that. No, it's dumb. I'm going to say no. It's online no, with no. calling your daughter Bambi. <laughs> that sounds so horrible, though. I know. So Buck is signing autographs for his adoring fans when Karen comes up and yells at him for reporting on natural disasters and obnoxiously quoting unsolicited Bible verses at him. Like, out of nowhere. She's like, hey, I see, see you in natural disasters. Yeah, that's my job. Great. Here's a little sermon I have prepared. The end is near, I tell you. The end is near. But don't worry about Buck because Chloe overhears the conversation and takes the opportunity to tell everyone in the airport and the viewing audience that she doesn't believe in God because bad things happen sometimes. That is her entire character arc. That's her entire character. Everyone in this movie has one thing wrong with them. You, you're really good at one sin, and that's it. meanwhile a plane stewardess is putting on lip gloss in her car we're just gonna call her harlot her only character detail is that she's attracted to nicholas cage a pilot and father of chloe nick arrives at the same time wait wait wait. we need to we need to we need a new nickname for her because she doesn't know that he's married right so she's not doing anything wrong technically i know but i'm not gonna say promiscuous the entire time for her I did not learn her name. It's, um... Oh, what was it? Uh, uh, hmm. Hester Prynne. Hester? Hester from Scarlet Letter. And for those of you who don't know, it's an old book about this girl who had an illegitimate child, and then she had to sew a Scarlet Letter A on her chest and wear it wherever she went to let everyone know that she was a harlot. (laughs) Which brings me back to the fact I'm not changing this name. Harlot it is. Moving on. Her only character detail is that she is attracted to Nicolas Cage. Who, again, I didn't (laughs) learn his stupid name, but he is a pilot and the father of Chloe. But I call him Nick Nicholas, Mr. Cage throughout the rest of this summary. Wasn't it Rayford Steele? I do not know and I do not care. (laughs) <laughs> one thing that confused me about this movie is the way that Karen is presented in the airport, right? Yeah. Because she's How's... like she's like a complete jerk about I mean, she's just she's obnoxious, she's annoying, she's like everything that everyone hates about like bold, weird Christians. And yet she represents the position of the people who made this movie. Yep. Like do they do they want to be viewed in that light? Like I doubt it. But they sure did a good job. <laughs> and then she gets like completely shut down, and you're like, "Oh yeah, we all hate that woman." But in the end, it's like, "Oh, she was right," and and that's the position we're supporting. <laughs> like, why would you present her that way? 
because uh, this is the first time of many. <laughs> Nick arrives at the same time as Harlot, but takes off his wedding ring for getting out of the car. That way, he's able to flirt with Harlot more effectively. Back in the airport's lounge, Buck approaches Chloe because there is nothing that he likes more than an attractive blonde atheist who yells at obnoxious Karen-esque Christians. Buck wanted to buy Chloe a coffee and, quote, one of those boxes with strawberry jam in it. Yeah, what was <laughs> What are those, by the way? No! What, what was he offering her? What is sold at this I... airport deli? Like, it's just a box of jelly? <laughs> like, I was going to ask you if anyone knew what that was. And I... Is, is no it like idea. one of those... <laughs> Like one of those like variety packs. I, I don't know. But uh, Chloe declines his. Oh. Are these the things you could like get at Cracker Barrel or uh, Bob Evans? They come in like the little plastic things you put on your biscuit. Are you talking about like the jelly packs? The individually wrapped. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy yeah. you some jelly packs in bulk. <laughs> Gonna buy you a box of jelly. Gross. <laughs> Or, but Chloe's not interested in Buck and his offer of coffee and boxes of jam because she's waiting for her she's dad. An idiot. Nicholas Cage immediately sees his daughter across this crowded and busy airport and st- amazing. stops flirting with Harlot immediately. Chloe. Wise move. Yeah, well, but I'm just amazed that he was not expecting to see his daughter there and yet just immediately is able to point her out in a crowd. It was, God was preserving him from committing the sin that he was about to do. I don't know. Harlot was wearing his pilot's cap, and I think in pilot, that's like second base. (laughs) (laughs) Nick goes over to his daughter, and Chloe says uh, that she thinks that her dad's running away. From his mom and going on going with Harlot, but uh, but the good news is is that Chloe wants her dad to know that she doesn't blame him for running away because Chloe's mom's religious now. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this movie uh. so much, and because her What's mom r- believes, <laughs> and because her mom believes in Jesus now. You know how when people find religion, how it just completely destroys family. That's what we find out. Study after study is that when you find religion, boom, family's gone. Well, I tell you what, in this movie, it did eternally separate them. <laughs> Everyone who was married. <laughs> <laughs> one one surefire way to make sure you're not sent to heaven is be married or have a child. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh... And Nicolas Cage responds with, again, uh, what might be the dumbest line so far in this movie. He goes, well, if your mom's going to run off with another man, it might as well be Jesus. What was wrong with that line? That was a a good line, I thought. Mr. Cage gives his daughter the keys to his car so that she can drive home. And he can get on that plane. And tells her to go easy on her mom before getting onto the flight. Buck, who apparently was spying in the corner like a creepy little stalker, immediately returns to Chloe the moment her dad has gone, and they continue (laughs) to flirt. They have a really nice conversation for five minutes, bonding over mutual atheism and how mudslides and tsunamis clearly mean that there's no God. Perfect first date kind of conversations here. Well, if you're atheist. Now we're going to the plane. On the plane, we have Harlot and Stewardess number two. 
and they're gossiping about how Harlot and Nicolas Cage are going to hook up in London. By the way, apparently in this movie, gossiping isn't a sin. But we'll get to that in just a minute. No, 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 stop. <laughs> okay. So, I was wondering about this as well. Were she... you? All right, we'll talk about this in a second, when, she, when the, the event happens. I would say that that is... Uh, uh... I would say what is... Are you saying that what is happening in this conversation is not gossip? I'm saying potentially it is not. I mean, I I feel like it was... like I feel like uh, the writer of the movie looked up gossip in the dictionary and said, okay, I know what it is now, and wrote this scene. Um, so you assume that they're going to hook up in London... Let's assume that they're not, and they're just, you know, starting a relationship. Is it wrong for two girls to talk about their love interests on a plane? The line was literally, stewardess. You assume they're not. Stewardess number two said to Harley, "He goes, have you explicitly stated?" And I think that Nicolas Cage has morals. No, he doesn't. (laughs) Stewardess, stewardess, (laughs) stop! I'll, I'll put this to bed right now. Stewardess number two. Looks at Harlot and says, "Have you two? And then she raised her eyebrows real big. And stewardess or and Harlot goes, "Not yet, but we're spending time together in London." Yeah, I'm sorry, but the implication is they're going to hook up in London. <laughs> All right, fine. I, he agree. Has I agree. But I was trying to was defend it the Nick. fact that he left his wedding ring in his uh, in his console of the car before he came into the terminal. <laughs> that, that right there is that right there is the 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 pinnacle of morality. <laughs> Um, well, that you know, he is—he's at fault here, but she doesn't know, right? She doesn't know he's married. I—I I don't know. I think that it would be real hard for her to. She would have to ignore a lot of signs to. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> but you know that—that's the indication. I mean, we're jumping ahead, but that's the indication, though, at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah she's angry I know. Is that she didn't. It's shocking know. that this movie has a dumb conclusion for dumb characters. So she doesn't know that she's about to sleep with a married man, but she's planning on sleeping with a man. Yeah, so that makes it right. John 27, <laughs> lie, lie, lie. Well, uh, they were going to get married when they landed in London, and then, right, you know. Right, because you can marry another person while you're already married in London. They're a real big polygamy community over there in England. She doesn't, she doesn't know that, though. She's planning on getting married when they get there. <laughs> And if I'm not mistaken, they have a lot of Elvis impersonator doing marriages over there too. You're getting yeah, right, you London get the confused with Las Vegas again, Scott. Um, oh, oh! He always does this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. so Buck and Chloe are saying their goodbyes and exchanging numbers outside the gate. And again, we see just how famous Buck is. He is so famous that the plane will not take off without him, even though. <laughs> And even though he's making everyone on that plane late, they just call his name 50 times while he continues to flirt with Chloe. Then another air... Now, you know what? I, I believe in my heart that Luke Taylor, they would hold a plane for you. I doubt it. I don't think they... Well, if you, I really do. I mean, I've been on flights before <laughs> where not even famous people, but like someone will call and they're like, I'm five minutes out. Can you hold the plane? And they will hold it. And you don't have to necessarily be famous, but I guess it's at the discretion of the airline. But uh, a lot of times they will if they've got like a little bit extra time. Oh, I understand that. So I think like, he is, hold it for he you, is Luke. right there in front of the gate. The lady taking the tickets could see him, and she's talking on the loudspeaker, Buck, Buck, 
Buck, it's time to get on the play now. Hey, Buck. <laughs> Buck. <clears throat> Buck. Buck, 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 Buck. It's time to get on the plane. Buck. Investigative journalist Buck. I mean, it. <laughs> at the very least, it's incredibly rude, but whatever. Uh, uh, but before Buck gets on the plane, another uh, worker for the airport comes by on his little go kart. He stops and hands uh, uh, Chloe some tickets to give to her dad. Guys, you're not going to believe what it is. It's for U2, the most in demand band of all time. U2's playing. Hey, now hold up, hold up. You can besmirch a lot of things about this movie, but don't go off on U2. I mean, that's, hey, I'd go see U2. I wouldn't take a stewardess to London, but I would go see U2. <laughs> They're going to U2, because, you know, Bono is the greatest aphrodisiac I've ever met in my life. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Amen. yeah! No, he's not. Bono, so an airport worker shows up, Tells Chloe that... We're not even in a plane No, yet. we're not. So shut up and let's go. An airport <clears throat> worker shows up, tells Chloe that he got his or got her dad some super rare hard-to-get U2 tickets because, okay. Uh, Chloe asks Buck to give them to her dad after writing a little note on the ticket envelope. We live in a, in a universe in this movie where gossip isn't a sin and apparently 9-11 didn't happen because Buck is, um, um, is able to immediately walk on the plane, take a... Hard left into the cockpit with the pilots and hand them something. You know, I wondered about that when I was watching this. I mean, even even the ones that got agitated in a little bit, they're up knocking on the captain's door. I'm like, how is this even possible? Isn't there like like a door of separation before you even get to the door to get ever into since the, ever, get into the pilot's ever since ever since nine eleven, where the terrorists took over the plane because they were able to get into the cockpit. Yeah, that door is basically Fort Knox. You cannot get in unless you're a pilot. Wow. Finally, <laughs> after Buck leaves, the plane takes off. Then Buck goes and sits in his first-class seat, where we meet an old lady with dementia who mistakes him for Frank Sinatra, and that is the high point of humor in this movie. <laughs> an old lady confusing a moderately attractive investigative journalist as Frank Sinatra is what the writers of this movie said, that's a joke. Leave that in there. <laughs> That's it right there. <laughs> Let's go with it. <clears throat> Chloe, meanwhile, makes it to her family ho- or her family's home where she's greeted by her little brother. And they embrace for the first of what feels like no less than 50 hugs between these two actors over the next 20 minutes. The little boy hey. asks Chloe if she brought him anything from the airport because that's something you ask your sister. Turns out she did. The brand new baseball glove that he'd been asking for. She, I was thinking. <laughs> I'm not I was thinking. Been, number one, what do you buy at an airport that a kid would be interested in? Maybe snacks, something like that. And she whips out a baseball glove, and it's like, oh yeah, because <laughs> I see those everywhere at the airport kiosk. I mean, I'm not as familiar I'm with airports you. as as you are, Luke. But I, I you know, I've, I've seen enough in movies to know that there's not like a Dick Sporting Goods sitting right next to the Cinnabon. <laughs> Never seen. If I'd have had to bought for him. I'd have brought him home a box of jelly. <laughs> Probably what he really wanted. If they would have done that, I would have given this movie a passing grade. If she <laughs> if she brought him home a box of jelly, I don't care. I would give it 25 across the board. It'd be my first 100%. But <laughs> That would have been awesome. So Can you imagine Chloe- how wiggly a box of jelly would be? Chloe walks into the house after giving her brother that brand new baseball glove that he had been asking for. Which, again, what little brother's asking their sister 
for a, a, a baseball glove. I don't. Yeah. When their dad's a pilot. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's they're barely making a meet. He he makes it or ends meet. He makes the comments. So we have to pay the bills somehow. Shut up! You're an airline pilot. And this isn't about paying the bills. This is about getting the thrills. Yeah, uh, it's like airline, upwards of two hundred thousand. And according to salary.com, and the average is between a hundred and a hundred and seventy thousand. Uh, the higher end, according to Glassdoor, entry levels will make forty-five thousand to a seasoned veteran making nearly three hundred thousand. Yeah, he he's fine. Wow. Can't, and he yeah he's a seasoned pilot. But they have their daughter, poor college student, buying baseball gloves at the airport. <laughs> And that was a trashy car he drove. Trashy? Yeah, yeah it was totally. Yeah. That, that $50,000 BMW was just, gosh, I felt bad for him. He's struggling. That was a sob. That was a sob. You're a sob. Anyways, uh, all right, so Chloe's in the house for five minutes. She sees her mom's Bible, which she just has a complete hatred of. She rolls her eyes at that. How dare this Christian woman have a Bible in plain view of her? Uh, back on the plane, we are introduced to another few members of first class who make up our cast of sinners. We meet an Asian man who believes the government is using alien secrets to create hyperjets. I don't know how that's a sin, but he doesn't get saved, so it must be. We also meet a uh, big Texas businessman whose sin is greed. Back at the house, Chloe immediately makes fun of her mother's faith and then gets mad when her mom uses her disrespect as an opportunity to share her faith with her daughter. <laughs> On the plane, we meet some more characters. A grumpy midget who's trying to get his uh, carry-on on the overhead compartment. His sin is gambling because he places a bet after having a conversation with a little girl whose father is an NFL player with a hurt arm. Which, by the way, my second viewing, I caught something there. Their dog. He, she says, yeah, my daddy was lying in a hammock. And my dog pushed him out of the hammock. And that's how he hurt his arm. And Daddy got so mad that he hurled the dog into the pool. Did you just, say just, that? Yeah, just <laughs> casually. Yeah, Dad beat the snot out of the dog. He landed in the pool. But, oh, it was funny. Hey, look, up there. He's how in the world Sinatra. And how in the world a little chihuahua knocked him out of that hammock is beyond me. It doesn't say that. Uh, by the way, no, I, I will say no, midget, little person, fun size, whatever is the appropriate thing to call him these days. Fun sized, yeah, that's it. Um, he is the most relatable character in this entire movie. He's the only one reacting he's angry. like a normal person would react. He's mad. He, he doesn't he's... care. Uh, also, there's a nice Muslim man who offers to uh, put the midget's bag, little person's bag, uh, into the overhead compartment, uh, but the little person declines because... He's an independent little person who needs no tall man. Because he's so angry, this whole movie. Chloe and her brother drive to the mall to get away from their awful, in quotation marks, religious mother. At the mall, Chloe loses her brother when she becomes distracted watching horrible breakdancing, who are there performing for some for some reason. Because this Hold is up. the 90s. Horrible Break now, listen, when they're when they're sliding their heads across the floor, I'm like, okay, that's nice. You know, it's cool to see a human Swiffer. I get it. But when they're all standing around the dance floor and they're just like... <laughs> the break dancers are, along with the people. I know that was terrible audio because I just wiggled like a fish and clapped my hands a few times. No one saw that. 
I don't know why I think sometimes my microphone has eyes and that you, the listener, can hear what I'm doing. Uh, but, yeah, it wasn't a good scene. It was stupid. Hey, I was impressed that they could do the human Swiffer. Is that what that's actually yeah, called? The, yeah, totally, because there were Swiffers in the early 90s when breakdancing was actually popular. Yeah. Sold me. They found the, I was they found the last four breakdancers in the whole world and put them in this movie back in 2014. <laughs> but her, her, have you ever tried? Have you ever tried that, Zach? No, I haven't. You know, I, I'm actually a little too busy to ever get to the point of boredom where I look at a floor and go, "But I can slide across that on my forehead." <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now, buddy. If you think you can do it, I will drive to Kentucky. We will end the podcast early, and I'll be on my way. I know. I kn- so I can I watch know you try. I can't do that. Uh, but yeah, she's distracted, and her brother uh, walks off, and she finds him looking at a drone, and then ironically yells at him for disappearing. Then they do, do, do. they hug for the thirtieth time, and then flash. She's hugging empty clothes. Everyone is freaking out because a lot of people have just poofed out of existence. Clothes are everywhere. Out. Yeah, I've re- I decided to, because they didn't use the word rapture one time in this entire movie, I decided to call it the big poof. Oh, I thought you oh, said poof. I thought you said poof. No, poof. Poof. Out of P-O-O-F. Poofed okay. out of existence. Poof. And clothes are everywhere, even inexplicably falling from the ceiling. I started watching this Why, movie yes. on Sunday, thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna get a head start on this, uh, and then that happened, and I saw they. By the way, they made it very clear that they took an elevator to the second level of this two story mall, where they enjoyed this hug and the poofening happened, and yet somehow beyond, beyond the balcony of this mall, pants and clothes were just falling from the from from the skylight. From the sky, were there floating children up there? That's the well, I have a only explanation I can think. <laughs> now, I have a theory. And here's my theory. It was a beautiful day that day. They are they're flying kids. Somewhere. Some people fly kites. Well, no. They're flying kids. I think they were in hot air balloons. Perfect. So the hot air balloon count as close? Or doesn't count as close and well, they went poofing too? They went poofing too. Okay. Were they like hanging hanging from the edge? Hanging from the basket of the hot air balloon? Maybe there was like the only way that yep, close maybe they were off. like 50 zip lines and it just happened when there were just 50 good people meeting at the center of this mall zip lining simultaneously poofing in flutter to the ground just going but anyways everyone is freaking out because a lot of people have just poofed out of existence uh uh and one thing that we notice right away is that there is not one not one faithful couple in this entire movie, every couple you see, either the wife or the husband, has poofed. That's a sad testament right there. <laughs> it truly is. There's two things that you'll notice. If you have a newborn child, you're a sinner. You're not, you're not being poofed. Or if you have a spouse. So they for needed all of- some people to stay behind and cry. I had a question about this. So, Here. if if uh, you believe in the rapture and there's a baby inside of a woman, I wrote that baby... down in my notes. I wrote that down in my notes. I said, <laughs> "What happens if you go into labor when the rapture comes? Does your belly just or... suddenly deflate? <laughs> it just goes poof. It just it's just an, um, instead of socks or clothes, it's just an umbilical cord. 
a few thousand feet in the air and a few hundred miles away, the poofing also happens on the plane. And it just so happens to happen when Nick and Harlot are flirting in the plane's kitchen. He leans in and whispers, I got him. Directly into her open <laughs> mouth, referring to the U2 tickets. And one of the most awkward things I've ever seen in a movie ever. She thinks that she, they're going for a little make-out sesh, but Nicolas Cage gets like one inch away from her open mouth and just goes, I got him. It was a tease. It was a tease. Women women go crazy you know, right. when you do that. Women love when, really? women love when you Don't whisper you, things in their mouths. Building up the anticipation, then you're like, eh, actually, on another note. Are you are you speaking from experience there, big guy? <laughs> Women love that. You just go up to Megan all the time's like, I'm thinking we should have tacos for dinner. Right in her open mouth. Totally. Well you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, try it sometime. I will. I forgot to brush my teeth today. <laughs> That's what you should whisper in your significant other's mouth. I didn't brush my teeth this morning. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. He was like, you've been eating airplane food. So the poofing happens. Uh, the little girl whose dad's an NFL player, she poofed. The lady with dementia's husband, the woman that thinks that Buck is Frank Sinatra, well, her husband poofed because that was one sinful Alzheimer's patient. Even one of the pilots poofed. And even though the plane would have been on autopilot by this time, as soon as that co-pilot poofs, the plane just starts falling out of the sky. Non-poofed people are freaking out about poofed people as Nick regains control of the plane. Meanwhile, a riot breaks out in coach. And they storm. Those coach people storm up to the front. They're trying to get in the fuselage. They want answers to why all these poofing people are poofed. Have fun storming the fuselage, man. But the good news is the Muslim that tried to help the midget earlier, little person earlier, the Muslim that tried to help the little person earlier, and Buck are able to stop the coach people from getting in to Nicholas's cages or Nicholas Cage's domain. What does Nick do? I like that. Well, he just reaches up, presses one button that depressurizes the cabin, making those dirty second-class coach people scurry back to their seats and suck down some free oxygen, the freeloaders. <laughs> that wasn't a bad that wasn't a bad move. Yeah, I understand that, but that is like people, the only time that's the only time that the second-class people are even acknowledged basically in the rest <laughs> of this movie. They don't exist. Those 50 or 60 people that couldn't afford a first-class ticket, we don't worry about them during the rapture. They they can deal with their own stuff. We got the the one-percenter club up front there that we have to take care of. During the riot, the harlot makes an accidental fourth wall break when she mutters the line during the scene, this is nonsense, to which I looked at her and said, yes, it is. Thank you. Somebody finally realized it. The movie summed up. <laughs> I should have been the tagline, Nicholas Gage left behind. This is nonsense. <laughs> Back in the mall, looting immediately breaks out. <laughs> this was amazing to me. I mean, kids are just poofing everywhere. People are in a panic mode. Hey, you know what we need is a Vizio. You know what? I'm glad that I'm not the only one that realizes this. I, I think there would have at least been an hour just give people an hour of shock that there were poofed people and before the riots yeah. break. I don't think it would have been poof instantaneous. All right, this is it. 
And not only that, but it showed that the majority of people stayed behind, meaning that chances are the cashier is still going to be there, as well as the armed guard. I, yeah, I but don't, there's, there's mayhem everywhere, so... I don't see society breaking down if a million people just disappeared. After uh, narrowly being... or narrowly avoiding being hit by a car, because apparently in this packed parking lot that no one could get out of, a car managed to get up to 80 miles an hour... When the driver poofed, leaving the passenger to die in the crash through the mall. But Chloe gets out of the way just in time. And so Chloe immediately leaves the mall and goes back to her father's vehicle. I mean, she did look for her brother for maybe ten minutes before saying, He's not here, and leaving. Unfortunately, a twin prop plane just falls from the sky and crashes directly into her father's convertible, totaling it. That was pretty She's impressive. She's just having the oh, well. worst luck ever. You know, and, and as I've thought about the, the poofing before, I've never considered that there'd be like Cessnas and 747s and Flying around New York City, me neither. It well, no, just falling out, falling out of yeah, the air. Yeah, I, I just love how a crop duster was just so happened to be right over New York City in time to crash into <laughs> this convertible. Yeah. <laughs> there would be a lot of mayhem people operating like trains and it'd be a mess Planes that's why automobiles that's why i have nationwide insurance because it deals with mayhem like me they just that's went true. out of business did they i mean if this actually oh, happened, okay yeah because be they're all like, they're all yeah they're all christian there so they would have all been poofed no, because there were so many accidents, they'd lose all their money, and then they would go bankrupt. That's what I meant. Mm, 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 mm. Can we go back to something real quick, though? Could you imagine going home and be like, where's Junior? I don't know. I can't find him. But you know that 55-inch you've been wanting? Today's <laughs> your lucky day. <sighs> back on the plane, which, by the way, I to our listeners, I do not switch between Chloe's story and the plane story as much as this movie does. I, I truly tried to lump in several events that happen on the plane and several events that happen in Chloe's life instead of switching back every 36 seconds like the movie does to try to keep these very, very, very thin stories slightly cohesive. Anyways, back on the plane, the harlot's freaking out because everybody got poofed. And Nick tells her to just suck it up. <laughs> she's she's not allowed to be a little unsettled by all these poofing people. Oh, and we learned at this time that the gossiping stewardess number two was also poofed. Everyone's freaking out. Poof. Because their kids are gone, nobody has answers, but then Nicolas Cage comes out. She goes, hey everybody, stop freaking out. And they do. They just are like, okay. Very I'll cry silently in my chair, mister. It's because he just deprived their brains of oxygen. Back in the cockpit, Nick makes it back there, and, and the harlot really just wants Nick to give her a hug to make her feel good. But Mr. Cage outright refuses and basically tells her to calm down and get back to work. It's at this point where she asks if Nicholas Cage is scared. And Nicholas Cage's response... Is uh well, well, his response is given in a way that proves that I don't think Nicolas Cage understands human emotions at all or how they work. <laughs> because she goes, aren't, aren't you scared? 
And he goes, I will be when I have time. No, that's not how fear works, Mr. Cage. You don't you don't just get to say, you know what, I'm gonna put I don't, you can't hit the snooze button on fear. You can you can hit, deal with your fear. Sure. But but you're still gonna have that in there. You don't just get to go, I'll be scared later. If you could, I would have like less nightmares when I was a kid. Dad, there's a monster trying like... to get me. Just hit your snooze button. I'll be in there in a little bit. You'll be scared later in the morning. Here he is. He has a job to do, right? When you're when your mind's busy, and when you're, you know, busy doing something really important, like your other anxieties usually go away. But when you actually sit down and he puts the plane back on autopilot or whatever, he'll be able to to uh, absorb what has happened and then be I will, afraid. Uh, or... I will agree with you 99% of the time. But when people are literally poofing out of existence... I don't think that your first reaction is going to be, cool, I got this. Everybody just calm down. I, I just don't buy it. Oh, and I don't care, so let's move on. <laughs> Meantime, or, or while this is going on, Buck is in the back of the plane taking a, a moment to just shove his camera in panicked parents' faces because he's a reporter. There's nothing parents want to do more than to be interviewed on camera when they're trying to come to terms with their rapidly disappearing children. Yeah, in real life, he gets knocked oh, out. I, I would have decked him first time he came up. I was like, hey, how do you feel like that? I feel kind of like that, but a hundred times worse. Get out of my face. You weren't relevant since the mid-aughts. Go away. Go away. Cinderella story acting my left toe. You, um, Why Why does he... Uh, I felt like he was a good actor. I'm surprised he's not in more stuff. Yeah, because he's Chad Michael Murray, and everybody looks at him and goes, hey, you're stupid. Back in New York City... <laughs> <laughs> You got any other questions, Luke? <laughs> Back in New York City, <laughs> Chloe is in a, the mall parking lot of chaos and decides to make it back to her parents' house on foot. Unfortunately, as she's walking, uh, she's immediately robbed by two people on a motorcycle. This girl just can't catch a break. Everywhere she's going, planes trying to kill her, cars are almost crashing into her, motorcycle thieves are taking her stuff away. But she does make it out from under the overpass just in time to watch Scott's old school ride crash to the ground. <laughs> oh, they crashed the short That's bus. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The short bus, uh, which I, I'm, I'm very curious about what the driver was doing prior to being poofed, along with all of his passengers, why he was uh, uh, directing the bus directly at the the edge of this overpass. <coughs> but let's not get into those dark theories. But she does, uh, 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 just in time, to watch the short bus take a nosedive. But uh, she goes, checks it out. But don't worry, everybody in that bus poofed. They're all good. They're all good. You know, she may not be spiritual, but she has nine lives. <sighs> Can I just ask... <laughs> There you Can go, I just ask, you know, that's... <laughs> if you need a fact about an octopus, blah, 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 Luke Taylor. Here's a fun fact about octopus. Did you know that each of an octopus's arms have a mind of their own? Two-thirds of an octopus's neurons reside in its arm and not in its head. As a result, 
the arms can problem solve how to open a shellfish while their owners are busy doing something else, like checking out a cave for more edible goodies. The arm can even react after they've been completely severed. In one experiment, severed arms jerked away in pain when researchers pinched them. So, people just been pinching octopuses for years. And now you know. Now, I know normally Luke gives the octopus facts, but here's another octopus fact for you. They don't have computer problems because they don't use computers. Luke is not an octopus, on the other hand, and for some reason, his recording ended right before he was about to ask a question. So, I apologize for stopping on that cliff note, but I promise the rest of this episode is just as entertaining as the first half. So bear with us, even though Luke isn't here to give us octopus facts. That was a fact about an octopus. Blah, 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 Luke Taylor. For the rest of her story, she's walking past people who are just standing in the sidewalk on their knees, weeping in front of open paracels. Like, people would have, at least by the hour and a half or three hours that would have passed in real time, not in movie time, would have at least gotten to their feet and tried to start figuring this stuff out. You don't, as a parent, you don't just sit there on your knees and weep for hours and hours and hours when your child goes missing. Yeah, well. And I have a theory on the short bus, too. Oh, okay. The guy set the cruise control. I, I, was, I don't know about you, but of all bus. the vehicles, I want to not have cruise control on them. Really? We're going to delve into my smart alley comments. School buses are at the top of my list of things that I feel like the driver should be in control of at all times. <laughs> Better than that, he may have just put the short bus on autopilot. Right. <laughs> Back on the plane. Oh, we are introduced to another sinner, a cokehead from merry old England. She decides that all this is happening because she's on a bad trip. So she goes into the bathroom and does what any drug addict would do when they're on a bad trip. Take more drugs. Chloe, meanwhile, can't get anyone on the phone as she's running through the streets. She's passing crying parents and spouses wondering where their mates went. And then she sees one ambulance and immediately thinks, that's where my little brother is. So she decides uh, to head to the hospital because her brother's definitely going to be in that ambulance. However, on her way, a jewelry store owner shoots a potential looter with a shotgun right in front of her. And then immediately just aims his gun at her. But don't worry, after three seconds of tension, Chloe is just allowed to walk away. No problem. Chloe then makes it to an overcrowded hospital. And when she can't get into the front door because it's so packed with people, she decides to go around uh, uh, the building... And smash a window. But she doesn't smash the glass door <laughs> where she could just reach in and press the, the the push bar and open the door. No, she smashes the small window that's next to the door, uh, closest to the ground level. So she has to crawl over broken glass where she, br- or where she cuts her hand. It, it doesn't come back. It's just really dumb the way she decides to do this. And uh, once she gets into the hospital, she makes her way to the maternity ward where... An extra from The Walking Dead is there, apparently. Uh, They're all going. She's she's supposed to represent a new mother, but she looks terrifying. And uh, she's like, all the babies and kids have poofed. They poofed out of existence. And Chloe's like, only here? She's like, no. 
I heard the doctors talking. The world. Poofing kids. So now we know that all the kids have poofed. Not just the babies, the older ones too. Back on the plane, the people in first class are trying to figure out the poofing phenomenon. Some think that uh, aliens abducted them. Uh, the little person thinks it's terrorism and searches the Muslim bag only to find an electric toothbrush. Nick sees another plane miles in the distance. And after talking to it several times, he realizes that nobody's listening to his radio signal and uh, no one's piloting this plane. And keep in mind, he this whole time he could have just been lazily gliding to the left or to the right to avoid this entire situation. He could have been. But he decides to play he decides to play chicken with this abandoned jet until they were on top of each other. And then he makes a very violent uh, pitch to the left. And the plane that is being piloted by no one clips the wing of Nicolas Cage's airplane. Normal airplane, that'll rip the wing off. They're both going down. Not in Left Behind. But in this... Not in this movie. Uh, uh, the the other plane goes down, but Nicolas Cage's plane just has like a, like the equivalent of a, of a scraped knee. Just a boo-boo. He kisses it and makes it feel better. Really, it, it's just a... It's just a hole that was poked in the fuel tanks. Um, so as long as... as it didn't rip out the bottom. They have enough fuel, but they—they're they, losing fuel. But they have enough. Nicholas Cage thinks to get back to JFK. Back on the ground after walking by more morning people, uh, crying over their poofed kids and partners, Chloe makes it back home, and she discovered that her mom poofed in the shower. And I got yelled at when I did that as a kid. <laughs> her mom's poofed uh and she's she's walking out and she's all sad and then she sees her mom's bible and in her mom's bible there's a list of people that she wants to convert because that's what every christian has do you have that in your Bible, too? I'll make you one, Scott. No, I actually I got don't. a list on a piece of construction paper of 50 people I'm trying to convert. I got a list, but it's not written down. <laughs> but she gets so mad at that Bible that she just throws it at the window, which breaks it. Which means that this house either has the world's weakest windows, or that is the world's most brick-like Bible. And you know the one thing we haven't talked about right here is... Is how the Bible in that movie is that white King James Version Bible that everyone's grandma or parent has somewhere in their house. Yeah, right now I'm concerned about the water bill. She poofed out of the shower. The water has just been running. It's going to be outrageous. I want to know where those Bibles came from because they have like that little design of a church window yep. on it. I, I, wanted, I, I think I have one on my shelf somewhere. Like I don't even think anybody gave that to me. I think it just appeared one day. Don't I think the first time you you say God's name uh, uh, authentically and with with spirit, the first time you pray, one just materializes on your bedstand. A lot of them come with zippers too. Actually, I think it's Gideon's little Gideon elves. They sneak into your 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 room at night and stick one of those Bibles up on there, steal a piece of your underpants, and run away. But anyway, we need to talk about this water bill. Two things I know about Gideon's: they love other people's underpants. And they will sneak in. What? What? <laughs> what? No. I'm just thinking about a little Gideon elf 
that loves <laughs> underpants? The first, no, the first time you realize that there's a god, a little Gideon elf comes into your room and places one of those King James Version window Bibles on your bedstand, steals a piece of underwear from your drawer as payment, and leaves. You get a new Bible, but you miss your Spider-Man boxers. She throws, uh, she throws the Bible out the window. <laughs> She's broken a lot of glass. This movie makes it so clear how much this person hates the Bible. She hates the Bible more than any other atheist I've ever yeah. met in my entire life. Um, but after tossing out the window, miraculously, a voicemail is delivered to Chloe. Even though the movie made it crystal clear that Nicolas Cage could not get a cell signal or a satellite hooked up to his phone, somehow, when he's up in the sky avoiding this plane that's coming straight at him, he is able to call his daughter without having the phone in his hand just long enough for her to hear, uh, we're going to crash into this other plane midair. So now she thinks her dad's dead. Is that because of Buck? Was Buck able to... Uh... Can I- to call out because it's some kind of special uh, VIP, he's a press man journalist. I don't know. I think it's dumb because Buck wasn't Buck wasn't in the room with him when he almost hit that plane. It was just Nicolas Cage. Uh, uh, another thing I have a question about: they're only they're about an hour outside of New York right now. Why is it pitch black night where the plane is, but daylight in New York where Chloe is during these two scenes? I got nothing. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you that. When they just, when everyone poofed, they just decide to turn around. Which, that point doesn't become known until later on in the movie, right? Because I'm sitting watching this going, when did they, why did they turn around? I don't know. I, I, it took me three quarters of the movie to realize that it takes place on the East Coast and not the West Coast. <sighs> this movie doesn't, doesn't care where they're at or what they're doing or how long it takes to do something. Because right before they get back to New York, Nicolas Cage goes, Looks like we've began our descent into New York two hours early. What? <laughs> hey, I don't know. I'm probably... I- if that's the case, you're going down. I'm sorry. There's no plane <laughs> in the world that can glide for two hours without smashing into the ground. <sighs> My favorite part, and we can, we can leave this in right here because this movie doesn't make sense from this point onward... Nicholas or, or Buck is like, why don't we just put it down in the water? Do a little Sully Solenberger. And uh, Nicholas Cage goes, I can't lift the nose up. Five minutes later, not a lie. Five minutes later, I'm going to put it down in the ocean. What? <laughs> okay, so uh, after getting mad at the Bible and realizing that her mom and dad, her mom's poofed and his dad's probably dead, Chloe goes to where any atheist would go for answers, the local church. <laughs> And when she goes in there, wouldn't you know it, the local pastor has not poofed. He explains that God took the good people to heaven to spare them from the evil times to come. But Chloe can't accept this because the unpoofed preacher clearly didn't practice what he preached. And that's her reasoning. Back on the plane, the first class passengers are still trying to figure out what happened. The Muslim thinks that the people just turned invisible. A theory that the little person puts to rest by reaching over his poofed passenger and just touching the back of his seat. 
He's not there. <clears throat> uh, another passenger suggests that they went through a wormhole that took them to another dimension. And they where, needed to go back. <laughs> where the people that disappeared never existed in this dimension, but their clothes did. Chew on that one for a while. <laughs> then the wife of the NFL player thinks she has it all figured out and pulls a gun. <laughs> That's Jordan Sparks. <laughs> Jordan Sparks can't act. <laughs> Clearly, this woman believes that her husband hired a plane full of actors to pretend that the poofening happened. Then someone drugged her drink, so she fell asleep and landed the plane, even though when she was asleep, she was clearly over the ocean. They landed the plane, and her husband took her daughter away, along with all the other children on the flight. The plane went back into the air and flew around, and all the actors are really good at just pretending their kids got, got, got poofed away. She's pointing guns at everybody, but Buck tells her that's not what's happening, and she immediately believes it. No no questions asked. No. So I won't kill some people if I don't get some answers. Listen, this isn't what happened. Okay, I believe he you. He is a journalist. Uh, but then she decides to commit suicide by shooting herself in the chest? <laughs> Fish? <laughs> I, I've never heard of someone shoot, shooting themselves in the chest other than... NFL players that want their brains studied for concussion science. That's a good point. Can I, can but I, that's her. That's she's going to shoot herself in the chest. But then Buck says, "Hey, don't do that." So she doesn't. Then the drug addict tells everyone that she went to Bible camp, and so she knows what's happening because at Bible camp, what was happening and the poofing that happened—that's all they talked about at this world's worst Bible camp. Can you imagine going to a, a, a Christian youth camp and all they talked about the was the rapture and the end of the world? <laughs> I guess that'd be one way to baptize every kid that was there in it. You could get take. You could be in the middle of the night. You, you're in your bunk bed. Poof, you're gone. Poor thing. No wonder she's a drug addict. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you cope with a week of talking about nothing but the rapture? Oh. Nick Cage comes up uh, with the same conclusion. After looking through his poofed co-worker's stuff, you see, his co-pilot was clearly a Christian because he had John 3.16 on his watch. <laughs> and the second stewardess, although was a blatant gossip, also uh, in her planner had a uh, Bible study written on it in big, bold letters on Wednesday. That's all she did on Wednesday was Bible, Bible study. study. Sun up to sundown. So she got poofed. Nick then tells the harlot, my wife told me about this, and I didn't listen. The harlot hears him say this and basically goes, I didn't know you were married. I don't like you no more. And she leaves the fuselage, and that's basically the end of her story. But, then Buck comes in. But what about the tickets? You two's at stake. Oh, hold up. Not anymore. They've turned around. You know Bono got poofed. He's perfect. Um, You know what's um, scary, guys? This was in 2014, and we're still here. We didn't get poofed. S Scott, you realize movies don't really happen. They're just stories. Mm. 
people were acting. Are you sure? No. Yeah, so Buck comes in, and he's, he took a picture of the wing. <laughs> Show Nicolas Cage. <laughs> what is one of Go take a picture of the wing to see if there's, what was it he called it? Fluid. If there's fluid yeah. coming out of the wing. Buck, so he's, he, he's not an idiot. He's he, like, he t- you mean gasoline? Well, you're an idiot because that's not what they use in planes. <laughs> he said fuel, fuel, not gasoline. Hold up. You mean to tell me they don't pull the pump up to the 87 octane and say fill her up? Buck takes a picture of the airplane wing, and he shows it to Nicolas Cage, who looks at it for about four seconds and goes, Looks like we missed a tr- or mi- looks like we missed losing our wing by six inches. <laughs> to which I respond, "How how could you tell that from one picture on the back of a Canon digital camera?" <laughs> back on the ground, Chloe, who remember just a few hours ago, expressed that she could really care less about her family, has decided to jump off a bridge. But before she jumps, Buck manages to get a cell signal and calls her. Nick takes the phone and tells her that he can't land at JFK. So Chloe's like, you know how I've been at college forever and I never come home? Well, it turns out that there's this new road that they're building that's going to have plenty of space to land a plan on. How lucky for them. How long is it, Zach? Yeah, Nick's cage is like, like, the roads are too clogged. I can't land on them. And Chloe's like, well, that's that's a shame. Then she uh, gets on a motorcycle and drives through clearly uncongested roads. Not only does this girl know how to expertly drive a motorcycle, she is easily able to get through these clogged, congested roads to this brand new tarmac that doesn't have anybody on it. She 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 drives to this tarmac and sees an old truck that has keys somewhere, and uh, she finds them, gets it going, she starts clearing this traffic or this this whole construction site with uh, all of its road signs and and cones and getting rid of all this stuff because this plane could take a direct c- collision with another airplane and survive, but if it hits a plastic cone, it's done. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> we have a moment where she gets into a steamroller and it's really slow, but the plane is like fifteen minutes away, so she has plenty of time. Um, then she gets to the end. She's like, Dad, you don't have enough runway. Nicholas Cage is like, don't worry about what I said. I know I said I needed a mile to stop this plane. I was kidding. I don't really need a mile. Uh, it's fine, but I can't see the road that you want me to land on. I-, I need some sort of light, some visual, so I can get my bearings. Chloe's like, no problem. I'll just light this convenient stack of fuel barrels at the end of this tarmac. They stacked them up just for this purpose for us, Dad. <laughs> You know how all these construction sites just have a ton of blue barrels filled with gasoline, right? So, uh, she lights these barrels, and a giant mushroom cloud explosion happens. The plane's able to see it, and the plane starts coming in for a landing. And it's real tense and dramatic, and you think, are they going to land this plane? Is everybody going to die? And then all of a sudden, if you're me watching this, you hear... Because I was watching a version where it was free, but had commercials, and Liberty Mutual decided this was the best time in the movie to tell me about their insurance. Yes, it was horrible! So, so, (laughs) I watched a commercial about Liberty Mutual's human spokesman and this emu playing volleyball, and it was super dumb. Back to the movie. (laughs) The plane lands... Uh, and it goes screaming down this runway. Chloe's in her truck. The wing of the airplane's like 
bearing down on her. She's like, Dad, you're gonna hit me with your wing. He's like, no, I'm not. I can't control this plane, but watch this. He turns the wheel, the wing magically lifts up, completely clears her, no problem. Then they're barreling towards the end. You're like, they're still gonna hit at the end. Nope, because the plane... Inexplicable, inexplicable of any physics that has ever been known on this planet stops from like going 30 miles an hour to a dead stop inches away from the end of that runway in the worst special effect I have ever seen in my entire life because the plane was moving real fast and then it just stops suddenly they did a terrible job with that that scene that has been overplayed in so many movies of a vehicle stopping just inches before certain doom yeah, but that that <sighs> horrible scene though, I, I don't I don't think that'll be what ruins the rating. <laughs> and uh, the harlot drops the uh, the yellow, y- you know what I'm talking about, the emergency exit of the plane, the slide. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, the Muslim drop kicks the little person off the plane. No idea why he did that, um, but he does. It was it, it just it, it, this whole time you're rooting for this Muslim. Because he's nice, he's kind, he wants to help people. And then the last thing we see is him kicking a disabled person off a plane. And it's not just like a little shove to get him going. He kicks him so hard that that the little person lands at the very end of this ramp. That if he used even a little more force, that, that little person would just fall 20 feet from the airplane to the hard ground. I think he was, I think he was ticked off because he got into his duffel bag. Everyone's off the plane. And Chloe immediately runs straight into Buck's arms because she knew him for 30 minutes. Never mind the fact that her dad's right there. (laughs) Then finally she hugs her dad. And the three just stand holding each other's hands. And Buck says, looks like the end of the world. And Chloe responds, no, I'm afraid it's only the beginning. Which makes no sense, seeing as the world's been around for thousands of years before this event. But anyways, I I know why they put that in there, because they were hoping for a sequel, but that will never happen, because this movie flopped harder than me the last time I tried to dive gracefully into a swimming pool. (laughs) Uh, And the movie fades to black, and I would normally say this is the end and go into the ratings, but did you guys hear the song that played over the credits? The song is sang. I had to do a little research for this because nobody wants to talk about it, apparently, online. The song was sang, of course, by American Idol winner slash person who has never seen anyone in a movie commit suicide, so they don't know how to do it. (laughs) Jordan Sparks. Jordan Sparks. It's called I Wish We'd All Been Ready, which is just terrible. But in parentheses, it says, a.k.a. Left Behind dash the theme song. The entire title of this song is I Wish We'd All Been Ready, a.k.a. Left Behind, the theme song. And it's got to be tough it's for the, her because she was left behind. And the it's the greatest, worst song I have ever heard in my entire life. And I do want us to review the lyrics of this song just really quick. It begins, Life was filled with guns and war. And all of us got trembled on the floor. What in the world does that mean? I wish we'd all been ready. Children die. The days grow cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. What? 
That's the lyric. Honey, you gotta get your store and buy all the bread you can. We're trading for gold. <laughs> what what world do you live in, George Sparks, when you're writing these lyrics when you said a piece of bread could buy a bag of gold? I know what you're going for, but saying it costs a bag of gold to buy a piece of bread is not the same as saying a piece of bread can buy a bag of gold. It's You can't just reverse those two things to make it rhyme. You're telling me because I... Because right now I've got a I've got a loaf of uh I got a loaf of, of white bread sitting there in my house. I'm rich. I'm rich. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. <laughs> I wish, I, I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. <laughs> right, one disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. These are the official lyrics. And by the way, the sun has come and you've been left behind. On the official lyrics, it's S-U-N, not S-O-N. They have a typo on the official lyrics of this song. I want to talk. Father spoke. The demons die. I don't know where she's reading this. Father spoke. The demons die. How could we? Or how could... They don't even say we. I'm adding we to make it sense. To make this song make more sense. It literally says, how could have been so blind? Oh, there's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. What a terrible, terrible piece of poetry that was. I want that read at my funeral. Sold. Scott, will you get up? If, if, if you live longer than me, will you please come to my funeral and read that? Oh, absolutely. Word for word. I want typos and all. <coughs> I want you to... I literally want you to go up and say, Father spoke... The demons die. How could have been so blind? <laughs> I'm there for you, buddy. I am there for you. <laughs> Thanks, man. I can't wait to die. It's going to be awesome. All right. So that's it. That's the. Thankfully, that's the end. Any, any final thoughts on this film before we go to the ratings? It's so stupid. I just, I, mm-hmm. I don't understand this doctrine well, it's not even that. I, I, well, I'll talk more about it in the ratings. Okay. <clears throat> so stupid. All right. Before we go into our ratings, keep in mind that we are still using the Rotten Righteous official SEPS scale patent pending, also known as the Rotten Righteous Stinky Snake Scale. Want to know why it's called that? Look up SEPS in a Greek dictionary and you'll find out why. And basically, we have four categories, each one worth 25 points that we rate every movie that we watch on. Uh, the first of these is are these categories is scriptural accuracy. <coughs> Was it biblical? No, zero. You know, I I tell you what this this is the zero, just zero. <laughs> it's, All right, I don't even Scott's care. It a- you know what it said John three sixteen on a watch, which is actually a verse that's in the Bible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This gets a zero. It's scripturally okay. horrible. 
I'm, I'm right with you, except they used three different Bible verses, and I looked up the Bible verses, and they did correspond with the words that were spewing out of their mouth. And so I gave them a point for each one of those Bible verses and gave it a three. three. All right, let's talk about uh, entertainment value. Scott, were you entertained? <laughs> you know what? I, I actually was. I Not a lot, but I wasn't offended or just... I didn't have to start this movie six times like I have a couple others. I gave it a 15 on entertainment. It wasn't horrible for me. Um, there were some scenes I kind of enjoyed. I mean, let's be honest. We're crashing planes and short buses are falling off overpasses and uh, there's you know car wrecks. Short buses. It was really bad up until the poofing. When everybody got poofed, after I got past the ridiculousness of it, I'm serious. I, I watched on Sunday night. I had to stop when the pants were falling from the center of the sky because it was dumb. I was like, I can't do this right now. Uh, but but after that, it got slightly better. It was so ridiculous in some places that it was funny. I, I'm 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 not going above a seven though for entertainment. All right, Scott. This is the category that perpetually confuses you. That I always struggle, and with. that is. Parental control. I give it a 16. There... Okay. There were, Why? There were, uh, it's a little violent. I mean, with planes, trains, automobiles crashing all over the place. I gave it a 24. And the implied uh, action of shooting somebody with a gun. There's no blood in it. The strongest language in it is when she calls her mom a wacko. But it's okay because Chad Michael Murray likes wacko. That's an actual line from the movie, folks. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 fine. If you really want to watch this movie, you can watch it. It's fine. Which brings us to uh, should you watch? Is there any merit you got from this? No. <laughs> I wouldn't refer this to anybody just because just because this whole rapture thing, I, I don't even want people to be thinking it, to be believing it. And if somebody wants to sit down and talk about the rapture, the so-called rapture that's not mentioned in the Bible, then let's have a personal study about it. But let's not feed these negative, ignorant thoughts of people that this is really going to happen. I gave it a zero. This is what bums me out, all right? Yeah, the rapture is ludicrous, but I feel like you can make a pretty good movie of it. I really do think you can make a pretty good movie of people just disappearing and people coming to terms with that. But they didn't. They didn't do that. I um, found only one thing of merit, and that is uh, Jordan Sparks' song, which I will download to my phone and play it to annoy my wife over the next probably <laughs> six months. And because of that, a matter of fact, I'm, I'm very tempted to make it our closing theme every week. Every week. Um, matter of fact, I might, I might replace the opening theme song with that song. Because it is... It is... Ludicrous. I mean, if they put that on repeat in Guantanamo, there wouldn't be a terrorist holding any, any information. At all. They would they would spill it all after about hearing, You've been left behind. About twice. They'd be like, all right, I'm done. Here's where the bombs are. Uh, so, yeah, for that song and that song alone, I gave it a one. I'm going to have a lot of fun with that song. <laughs> a one. Okay. <laughs> yep. Scott's tallying up the final scores. He had a 32. Mine was a 35%. And Luke. 42, I think, for Luke. 
gave it a 42. I'm going to trust Scott on that, which gives us an average of... Not good. So, 36%. There you go. And that's it. We just finished ending the new year wrong. All right. Next week, we're done ringing in the new year wrong. In the next three weeks, we're, we're watching movies that Scott pick out. We're going to bring it in wronger. For the next uh, three weeks, we're going to watch movies that Scott picked out, which I am shocked that the first film he chose had nothing to do with football or wrestling or NASCAR. Just absolutely shocked. And we're going to be watching the 2018 biblical drama written and directed by Andrew Hyatt, uh, Paul, comma, Apostle of Christ. It stars James Faulkner as St. Peter, Jim Caviezel, who portrayed Jesus in the 2004 film The Passion of the Christ, as St. Luke. The film tells the story of Paul, who was known as a ruthless persecutor of Christians prior to his conversion to Christianity. The plot focuses on his becoming a pivotal figure in the formation of the early church before being executed by Emperor Nero in Rome. So we have that to look forward to, but first, of course, we need to uh, watch a trailer. I, Luke, send a message to all those that follow our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a terrible evil in the world. Darkness is spreading. I know you are suffering persecution. Faith is being tested. I know you question the way. But I've come to Rome to find Paul, to write his story, to bring hope, to bring light into this present darkness, and to remind us all how God changed a hateful man who will change the history of the world. Luke, am I dreaming? I'm here. Rome is stained with the blood of our brothers and sisters. This is what trusting God gets you. People are desperate. We're the only light left in this city. I cannot fix their faith. You can inspire their faith. You risk people looking to me before Christ. The day I heard you preach, my God, I saw Christ in you. There are men, women, children that will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of your acts. What do you really know about these Christians? I am concerned with these documents. We've got to get these out of Rome. Think that we are plotting an escape. Write another word and I send you to whatever god you want. Luke! They've gathered men to overthrow Rome. To what end? Justice! They want revenge. No! Why not? Love is the only way. You will have the strength to do what is right. Your people die today. This world doesn't know a thing about love. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. All right, well, there you have it. We got, uh, we'll be watching uh, Paul, the Apostle of Christ, next week. And you have to say the title like that, or you are sinning. Uh, but before we go, please remember, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, 
iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. It just is a nice thing to do. And uh, if you want to recommend a movie to review or yell at us or are listening to us from Belgium, uh, shoot us an email at rottenorrighteous at gmail.com. I know you're out there, Belgium. I see it every week. Come on, you've listened to every episode. Just say hi. I'm not going to yell at you. Promise. Let's be pen pals. I'll send you pens <laughs> if you be my pal. <laughs> this guy in Belgium starting starting in a couple weeks is going to be going, I'm being stalked. <laughs> but uh, that's going to be it for us today. Um, <clears throat> for Rotten or Righteous... I am Zach. Why am I saying that like I'm not sure? For Ron the Righteous, I'm Zach Geiler. I'm Scott Judge. And I have a little baby named Luke Taylor, and I have a poo-poo in my diaper. But uh, real quick before we go, Scott, did I tell you that my buddy was fired from his job uh, in road construction this week? No, I hate to hear that, Zach. I know, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And so I went over to his house, and sure enough, all the signs were there. <laughs> all right remember say your prayers <laughs> obey your parents and remember life's not that bad as long as your house doesn't turn into the high school <laughs> good night everybody <laughs>
Oh